Chapter Five of the New Swiss Family Robinson: A Tale for Children of All Ages by Owen Wister. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: We Build Our House. The Zebra. A Sail. Our next work was to create our aerial abode in the tree. We all joined very heartily in this, for we had been up trees before, in Switzerland, and were anxious to get up a tropical tree, and see if there was any difference. This one, which had attracted the notice of my wife, by its unusual size and beauty, was many hundred feet high, and so large around, that to measure its circumference made a pleasant morning stroll. I was therefore somewhat at a loss how to begin work, for the trees I had been up before had not necessitated any knowledge of the art of climbing. So I stood before the colossal trunk and thought. Observing my anxious and careworn expression, my brave wife approached me and said, I think I can solve your problem. What problem do you think I am trying to solve? I asked. How to climb my tree, said she, smiling. I praised her for her keen penetration in divining what I was thinking about. But how can you solve my problem? I continued sadly. If you will set me upon a log and build a bonfire under me, the hot air will inflate my skirts, and I shall rise into the branches. Your idea, I replied, as I fervently embraced my dear partner, is admirable. In the meanwhile, Ernest and Jack collected dry sticks and leaves, which they placed upon the back of our now affectionate and docile iguana, and thus they were carried to a large log that lay conveniently beneath our proposed abode. My dear wife placed herself upon the log, when we were confronted with a new obstacle. Alas! all our matches were gone. Fritz, whose ingenuity sometimes took forms which I could not approve of, immediately produced a bottle of the julepa at Woodiana from his leathern pouch, and after having swallowed several mouthfuls, he blew upon the dry kindling which instantly ignited and burned with a brilliant and beautiful flame. The light gauze skirts of my wife spread visibly. "'Up in a balloon, boys!' shouted Fritz, whose hilarity after taking the julepa was always most painful to me. "'Your impertinence,' I replied coldly, "'merits a—' "'Never mind his impertinence, father,' cried Ernest, rudely interrupting me. I turned to reprove him, when our iguana, who, though tame and well-meaning, was notwithstanding at times very awkward, rushed hurriedly between my legs. The result was that I tripped and fell heavily upon a plantation of prickly pears, which covered the ground very abundantly at the foot of the tree. My children joined hands and danced about me, while I, seated upon the ground, menaced them angrily. "'I feel just like the Fourth of July,' cried little Franz, jumping and clapping his hands. I rose and was about to chastise him for his disrespect, 
when we were all stopped by hearing loud shrieks of triumph. We turned around. Our little bonfire had done its work, and we beheld the dear mother rising majestically through the air. With that wise forethought which is one of her most invaluable qualities, she had taken her bag up with her, out of which ran a long string that was fastened tightly to a log that lay on the ground. She soon reached the branches, which she caught hold of. "'Let's play she's a kite and fly her!' cried Fritz, making for the string. I hastened after him to prevent such conduct, but his dear mother was quite equal to the occasion. Just as he caught hold of the string, she gave it a sudden jerk, which brought the anchoring log up from the ground and seated Fritz quickly upon it. Thus she held him dangling in the air till he was thoroughly frightened and begged to be forgiven and let down. As I always encouraged any spirit of repentance that my children showed after misbehaving, I readily forgave him, and our work went on. My wife produced a derrick from her bag, and also a number of other useful things for building, such as bricks, mortar, and ladders. We all went heartily about our various duties, and a scaffolding was soon completed. My wife laid the foundations and built the house, assisted by Fritz. Jack and Franz carried mud, timber, and stones up to them. Ernest painted and decorated the interior, while I, seated in a chair below, anxiously superintended operations. In less than a month our new mansion was complete. Nor did it need protection from the fierce tropical sun, for the season had advanced, and a beautiful leafy screen sheltered us all. We began to think of a name to call our house. Ernest, with his usual inimitable humor, suggested the family tree, which was unanimously adopted amid shouts of applause. It was an ample house, with a cellar in the main trunk of the tree, and three entrances in case we should be in a hurry to get in or out. We had six spare bedrooms in case of visitors, gas and hot water in every story, an elevator, chemical fire extinguishers, furnished from the Boilstone Cave, a library, dining and sitting rooms, and frieze and dados in every apartment of colors suited to its special character. There was a telephone, a phonograph, and an electric bell in every room. The last touch was finished on a Saturday night, and the next day being Sunday, we all took a rest, which was very grateful. Not having any church to attend, I read my family selections from my unpublished poems, which affected them very much. As evening drew on, we all set about various occupations. I had observed that Fritz had a special place where he kept his bottle of julipa adwoodiana, and having determined that it was not good for him to pay too much attention to such things, I procured it for myself, and retired to the top of the tree, where I felt that my meditations would be undisturbed by the noisy play of my children. 
Here, beneath the starry firmament, I took gastronomical observations. The calm stillness was presently broken by my son Fritz, who, seated upon a lower limb of a tree, played us sweet household melodies on an upright piano that he had found in a corner of my wife's bag. Ernest, inspired by the music, climbed up on another limb a little higher, and composed poetry, parts of which he occasionally recited aloud. My wife, never forgetful of her household duties, after having washed our clothes, fed a young canary we had caught a few days before. Jack, in order to test the strength of our new staircase, conscientiously walked up and down upon it, while my little Franz had a nice gay game of hide-and-go-seek at the bottom of the tree with our pet iguana, who had become most useful in keeping the child in good spirits by means of many merry pranks of a wholesome and harmless nature. As I looked down and beheld, through glimpses in the rich tropical foliage of our family tree, my precious little brood thus happily occupied, I frequently gave shouts of joy in the midst of my gastronomical observations, and as I had made quite a number by this time, I concluded I would take a walk in the jungle. So I descended, and after having filled my son Fritz's bottle of julipa adwidiana with some cool fresh water from a neighboring spring, I replaced it in the spot where I took it from, and continued my way. I had not gone more than a mile before I heard a strange cry, and on looking about me I perceived it came from a fine specimen of the wild jackass. I felt I had made a great discovery, for this animal, if tamed and trained for our service, would be much more useful in carrying burdens for us than our iguana, however well-meaning, had hitherto been, since the latter had a habit of rolling over on his back, and this he had indulged in several times when laden with ostrich eggs we had collected after a hard day's work. How was I to secure the jackass? I hurriedly climbed a low tree nearby, and, aware of the great curiosity that wild animals will exhibit, I struck my watch, a Geneva repeater, several times. The brute ceased grazing and pricked up his ears. I continued striking my watch, and he began to move towards the place the sound came from. Soon he was beneath the tree in which I had concealed myself, when I suddenly let go and landed upon his back. Extreme surprise rendered the animal perfectly docile, and he walked off quietly with me upon him. I had heard travellers tell of the treachery of wild jackasses, and had often noticed that the infallible process to tame them was to bite their long and tender ears. So I gently leaned forward, and, encouraging the animal with my voice, I seized his right ear in my teeth and bit it until the blood ran. It was but the work of a moment. Contrary to my expectations, he kicked violently and ran away so rapidly that I was unable to follow him. 
after recovering from the surprise his action had occasioned me i concluded i would not speak of this adventure to my family for fear they should be tempted to try the same experiment as i was revolving how i should explain the appearance of my right eye all thoughts were driven out of my head by the appearance of a steamship on the horizon end of chapter five